Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. So Dave, what do you think are the top three issues that we as followers of Jesus, we just need help in how to think and dialogue about this, especially with our kids? Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson, and you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. Pornography? Yep. Not just men. It was just men. It's still, in my world, a lot of men, but it's, it's women as well. Um, homosexuality or the mm-hmm. whole LGBT question and how do you respond to that? And we probably don't have time today to get into it, but even transgender, yeah. same-sex attraction, but even uh, gender dysphoria, the whole, I mean, every day I see, and I shouldn't be on social media every day, but I'm there watching what people are dialoguing about, and those seem to be rising to the top. And I think as parents, as I talk to especially moms, these are the issues that they're not sure how to talk to their kids about it because we haven't faced it as much as we are in this culture today. Yeah, and I tell you, there's not too many people I'd want to talk to about this more than Dr. Sean McDowell. I'm not kidding, Sean. Haven't you here... As a dad, as an apologist, as uh, a man with a doctorate in these kind of questions and just written a book. Mm-hmm. You know, of all the things you've written, you've written a lot about apologetics. And this one's more it's apologetics, but it's in the area of love, sex and relationships in a confused culture. In fact, I just gave you the subtitle, but it's called <laughs> Chasing Love, which is what every one of us is doing every second of our lives. And now we're trying to help our young people understand that in a confused culture. So welcome back. It's going to be great to have a discussion with you about those topics. Well, thanks for for having me back. And I I would echo what you're saying, that whenever I talk with students and I open up for questions, the top two or three are about sexuality and typically something related to the LGBTQ conversation. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about it. Yeah, and you put that in your book. I mean, a lot of us, you know, I've written, it's like, I don't know if I'm going there. You're going there. Hmm. And you have chapters on those. And we're not going to be able to, to, to get into all of them. So I would tell our listener, get the book and even get the nine-week uh, Bible study or nine-session Bible study. I would agree study. with that, Dave. And I would say share that. Like, use this as a Bible study. Even if you're a mom, share this podcast with your friends. Talk about it. Maybe you do this study together. Bring some of your kids in. I think it's really good. And I want to, Sean, before we end, that at some point you talk about your YouTube channel. Oh, sure. And also, what's your podcast? What's the name of that? That's called Think Biblically. It's out of Biola University. And there's a lot of overlap with what you do here. But we talk about culture, worldview, theology, and just try to equip people uh, to defend and know their beliefs. Would this be something good for, like, high school kids to listen to, college kids? High school and college kids spend a lot more time on YouTube than they do listening to podcasts. Yeah. But for those that listen to podcasts, they're the same length as this, 25, 30 minutes. We jump right into content, 
and talk about the thorniest yet most important topics of our day from a biblical perspective. Hmm. All right, so I'll play like a devil's advocate. Sean, you know, I don't think porn's that big a deal. You know, I, I watch it. By the way, listener, I don't. Okay, <laughs> but you know, a, you know, a typical man or woman may say, you know, it's not that harmful. And you have some myths in your book about it. Yeah. So, how would you answer and that? I would say, Dave, and more and more couples are saying, and we watch it as a couple. Hmm. You know, and it's not mm. that big of a deal. It really helps us. And my therapist has even recommended it. Now, are you hearing this from Christian couples, or are you hearing this from non-Christian couples? I've heard it from a few new Christians mm. who haven't heard any teaching okay. on it. So a new Christian would be different than a non-Christian. Yeah. Because right. one of the things we don't want to do with new Christians is go, what's the matter with you? Porn is wrong. Jesus is clear. <laughs> like there's discipleship and there's growth and there's time that we need to allow new Christians to develop into. Mm. So if this new Christian couple said that to me, I'd say, tell me a little bit more about yourself Tell me about your relationship with your wife. How does she feel when you look at this? I just, I would kind of be on an information gathering and you might say, oh, she's fine with it. And I say, have you really, <laughs> have you really asked her that and sat her down? Because I'm suspicious that a lot of wives would say that. They might acquiesce and agree, but probably ideally don't. So I would start there. And then I would also go to scripture. I'd say, have you ever thought about, I know you're new to the faith, have you spent a lot of time thinking about what God's design for sex is and the plan from Genesis all the way through Scripture? Have you thought about that very much? And if they're new Christians, maybe not. And then you can take them to the text, take them to Genesis 1, take them to Matthew 19. The other angle you can go, which I don't, I don't want to just start with, here's why it's bad for you. Hmm. Because... The bigger question is, are we honoring God with our bodies? Is that are how you would start the conversation? Holy? With, with a Christian, okay. I would take them to Scripture. And I would the, – the problem with consequences, especially with young people, is they feel like, you know what? If they're looking at porn the way you described, they feel like, well, I'm the exception. It doesn't affect me. Hmm. So it's not as effective as you think it could be. Now, you can share stories of people and say, you know what? I actually talked to a couple that were young, married, and they said the same thing. Are you curious where they are now five years later, having sat where you sat? Mm. And are you open to what their thoughts would be back to themselves saying the very things you've said to me? So I might go that direction, yeah. but I, I, I'm leery just with the consequences thing. Because I remember being a kid and my dad would talk about <laughs> STDs and I'm like, well, I haven't had sex <laughs> My girlfriend hasn't had sex, so <laughs> neither of us would get an STD. I can like check that one off the box. I used to think that same right? thing. Like, like, well, that's not going to happen. So, yeah. That, that's why I start off the book by saying the bigger question is, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love other people? Is pornography honoring to those people? Mm. Is it honoring to God? Is it honoring to your spouse to be looking at somebody else naked? These are really fair questions that I would lovingly and graciously try to get these couples to think through. So you're you're going to tell your kids or tell anybody to ask, it's wrong, it's bad because Look, it hurts you to love God and love others? Is that where you're going to end? Ultimately, be holy hmm. because I am holy. 
That's why. It's not for the consequences. Mm. It's not to get something from God. Don't have sex so you get a reward of great sex later or great, you know, babies later. That's not what it's for. It's be holy because I'm holy. And God has called us the greatest commandment is love God and love other people. How we act in terms of sexuality is simply an extension of the larger question of discipleship. Mm. Who are we? What's my life about? What does it mean to love people? One of the things you said in your book was that research indicates that porn use contributes to many young Christians leaving their faith. It does. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you something really interesting about this. My dad in 2016 commissioned a huge study with the Barnard Research Group called the Porn Phenomena. And what they found is as Christian students increasingly looked at pornography, it would decrease their belief in the authority of the scriptures. Hmm. You could almost see a direct correlation there. Really? Now, exactly why is a little tougher to figure out. But when somebody's looking at pornography, it is directly opposed to a biblical view of sex, love, and marriage. And the Bible says, keep married, the marriage bed pure and honor it, Hebrews 13.4. Well, what does pornography do? It's all about premarital sex or extramarital marital sex. Live for yourself. Do what feels good. So if somebody looks at pornography, it teaches them to use people as objects for their own gain. Hmm. It teaches the opposite of self-control. It teaches live for what feels good. Well, those are totally opposed to scripture that says, no, actually, restraint and self-control is good. Don't use people, love people. So even though people don't connect those dots, looking at pornography undermines the confidence that actually God's design is good and it's still relevant today and it applies to my life. Hmm. Now, do you feel like uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I am getting this right? From hearing your dad, again, when I was in college, say something like, and you'll know if this is even accurate or not, but (laughs) what you just said made me think along these lines. I remember him saying something like, often when somebody comes up to me with an intellectual question about uh, the faith, it's usually a smokescreen for more of a moral issue. Again, it may may not be that th- kind of thing, but do you find that often that, you know, like you just said, the porn use is, has contributed to people walking away from faith? That's not an intellectual, I don't believe in God anymore. It's moral, I, and it has a way of desensitizing our soul in a sense. I think when people are questioning God, it sounds more sophisticated to cash it in intellectual terms, but underneath that is often relational brokenness. Hmm emotional brokenness, just volitional, my will, it's my life, mm. right? Thinking of songs, it's my life, I did it my way. Yeah. yeah. And sing it? oftentimes okay. there's a moral component as well. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting to think, uh, you know, if, if, if a person's listening right now and they're struggling with porn, be very careful. Mm. You think this is a porn struggle, this is a faith struggle, right? If there's a there's a possibility this is going to lead you if you keep, you know, you think, oh, it's just this area of my life. It's this sexual thing, but it could, right? Is that what you're saying? You know, it's interesting. There's a big study by Oxford. I can picture the cover of the book. Um, his last name was Perry. I'd have to double check it. And he talked about how even pornography contributes to young people questioning and leaving their faith. 
Mm-hmm. It's one piece. So we all talk about kids have doubt and leave their faith. They're broken relationships. But kind of the elephant in the room is the more somebody looks at pornography, the less confidence they have in the Christian narrative, the less confidence they have. And sometimes it's intellectual. Sometimes it's experiential. Kids are told, hey, confess your sins and Jesus will take that temptation away. They go to the altar And then the next day or that night, they're feeling the temptation, fall into sin again, ask for forgiveness, go to the altar again. It becomes a cycle. And then eventually kids like this doesn't work. Maybe Christianity is false. I can't live in this tension. I'm more free if I just embrace a different worldview. Wow. I have heard that narrative many times and I see it a lot. How exact common? I don't know. But it's definitely common for many young people. We just teach a cheap grace and don't talk about real discipleship. And really, it's grace that's going to help somebody Mm. through a porn addiction. Yeah. When they realize Jesus covers their shame. Yeah, or any any temptation. I mean, you we all know this. You play with something in the dark, it's going to affect all areas of your life. Mm. I might have shared this here before, but it just made me think of uh, a good buddy of ours, Dan Orlowski. He was a quarterback for the Lions that came to Christ. Now he's on ESPN, and he's a brand-new Christian. And I mean, not now, but back yeah, okay. this was when he was in Detroit. Over a decade, 15, 20 years ago. He's married with three, four kids now, tri- triplets and a little girl. I wow. Mean, sweet guy. Baptized him. Just amazing. He did their wedding. Anyway, he's a brand-new Christian, and he's coming out of a... NFL quarterback lifestyle. He's got girls and uh, parties. And he's with his buddy, Mike Furry, who is uh, farther along the uh, way in his Christian walk. Mike's driving the car. Dan's sitting over here. I hear this the next day. And Mike looks over, and Dan's got two phones. And he looks over and goes, Dan, you have two cell phones? Which was... Pretty typical. Pretty typical in the locker room. Guys would have a separate phone for a separate life. Right. Wow. And so Mike looks over and sees Dan has these two, and he's got one in his hand. He's pulling out the other. He goes, oh, yeah, well, this is my phone. I make calls, but this is, you know, my phone I have my girls in. And Mike goes, oh, hey, let me see it. He picks it. He hands it over to him. Mike opens the window and throws it (laughs) out. for him, man. As they were driving, and Dan's like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, (laughs) that's your old life. You can't. You can't live in both worlds. And Mm. Dan... Dan is the guy that tells the story because he's yeah. like, I had no idea how right he was. And he loved wow. it. You he know? loved that Mike did that. Like, what? wait, I, that's wrong? I shouldn't do that? And yeah. it was this great discipleship ministry. And so whether it's porn or whatever temptation it is, man, you got to be very, very careful. Okay, so a burning question in our culture right now is the LGBTQ question. Mm. How, as as followers of Christ, do we deal with this? How do we love one another? And, um, and how, have do we, how do we understand it? With our kids and understand it. Yeah. Well, the first thing we got to do with our kids is start young. Hmm. I get heartbreaking emails almost like weekly, if not daily, from parents who are like, my kid's 17, and all of a sudden they came out and they're embracing this narrative. What do I do? And, of course, I don't say this. I want to say, were you talking with your kids when they were 8 and they were 10 and they were 12? Like these conversations start early. Hmm. That's the first thing is the second thing. We also have to model for our kids what this looks like. I mean, I've found more people that feel like either you're a jerk and you're a bigot and you take the biblical view or you have to be affirming and change the biblical narrative to love somebody. And of course, a lot of people in our culture will say that I found that doesn't have to be the case. Jesus believed in truth very firmly, but was loving and gracious towards people who were outside the faith. 
So that's the trick for our kids is to just say, here's what Scripture teaches. Here's why. Now, how do we lovingly live this out with other people? One thing I would say to parents is just be careful about if you're watching a TV show and say a gay couple comes up. Be careful how you talk about this issue and these people who are made in the image of God Hmm. because kids are listening. I had a young man come out to me. It's probably been three or four years. He said, I'm just afraid to tell my parents. I know they love me and they're Christians, but I can remember certain what he interpreted as bigoted, homophobic statements. And now I know that they view me differently. Hmm. Those parents had no idea what they were doing. When we were growing up, my dad would take us down to Laguna Beach because we lived in the mountains of San Diego. We go there, I don't know, maybe two or three times a year, stay on the beach as a family, and would intentionally take us to a restaurant. And there was a waiter there by the name of Jade who was gay, and he actually ended up dying by AIDS. Hmm. And I just saw my dad, I remember him befriending him, being so kind with him. And one time in front of our family, and my my dad just is bold, he goes, Jade, he goes, I just want my family to learn. He goes, would you share with my kids, what is it like to be gay in America today? Do you mind sharing with our family? Now, some people are like, you can't ask that. (laughs) Well, my dad had a relationship with him. Mm. He was willing to listen. And that just showed me and taught us as kids that your sexual orientation is irrelevant to being made in the image of God. We all have something to learn. We can all build relationships, and God loves them, and God loves us. What's that conversation sound like, let's say, to an 8-year-old? You you know, like, how did that start? I'm thinking of parents listening, like, tell me how to do it, you know, whether they're 8 or 12 or... Well, 8 and 12 would probably sound a little bit different. Right. So let, let me take my daughter when she was... 12, a lot of kids will have friends who start coming out at this stage. And I just asked my daughter a lot of questions. I said, hey, did this surprise you? What are some ways your friends responded? Why do you think it was so hard for them to come out? How did you respond? And walk it through. So my daughter had a a friend who has come out and struggling with identity. And my, my daughter goes, hey, he just texted me. And I said, okay, let's do this together. Let's talk through a response. She's like, okay, dad, tell me what to say. Mm. And inside I'm thinking, I care about this kid, but I'm helping my daughter model like, hey, we love you. And I know your parents are doing your best. And like, these are opportunities with our kids. So just make sure it's positive. Go back to scripture and just teach it in an age appropriate way. That's all that we can do. So how to explain what it means to be gay to an eight-year-old would obviously be different than a 12-year-old. But you just do your best, and if you make mistakes and you're trying, it's done in a you know, spirit of love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. Well, you say in, in this chapter, you know, stay faithful to Scripture, be a good friend. Yep, that's right. But mm-hmm. often when I'm a good friend and I'm faithful to Scripture, there comes a rub at some point. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not really a good friend because you aren't agreeing with my lifestyle yep here's how i counsel young people i've done this many times i'll say okay do you and i differ over important things yes here's what i want you to know my relationship with you will never change my love for you based on anything you believe or you don't believe i don't care if you change your religion your sexuality i love you 
and I care about you. My hope is that you would extend the same kind of friendship to me. Because I actually think it's our difference that we can be friends amidst a big difference that actually makes this friendship meaningful. Hmm. But if you're going to end this because I won't believe what you believe, know that I would never do that to you. And the moment you want to be back in relationship with me, I'm here because I care about you. That's good. Now, I've had I've also said parents when kids say this to parents, sometimes I'll get a little bit stronger and you have to be wise. I counseled a mom to say to her daughter, say, you know what? I love you no, no matter what. And this will never change. I raised you almost like don't you dare put my unconditional love for you on a certain definition that's coming from culture today. My love for you will never change. Hmm. And if you want to shut me out of your life, I can't control that. But I will never shut you out, period. Hmm. Sometimes there's a time and place to be very firm with the young person. Now, can they walk away? I've had parents say, yeah, I tried that. And my kids want nothing to do with me. And all yeah. I can say is, my heart breaks for you. I'm so sorry. But you are trying to live out a firm, gracious love. You might have to give this some time. And I think God is looking down saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all we can do. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Interesting mentoring a younger couple or being mentored yourself? Check out Power to Change's mentoring initiative designed to help you avoid those pitfalls we all can fall into. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or go to our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab to get started today. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.